When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're going to take the best guys that we can to help our football team, whether that's uh, high school kids or junior college kids or, or transfer portal kids. We're, we're taking a look at everybody that we think merits a look. Quarterback's definitely a spot that, that we're taking a look at every kid that we can. I think uh, our mind is is uh, leaning toward taking one in the portal right now. Uh, we're low on numbers right there, but it has to be the right one too. We're working through that right now, but at, at all these positions, if there's a player we feel like we can help that can help us that we can get, we're, we're probably going to take them. I think it has a chance to continue to grow here based on the interest level in Nebraska football, and I think our our student athletes, not just football players, but student athletes, have a, have a great opportunity to benefit from that here. Uh, as much or more than anywhere else in the country. Um, so I think it, it's probably starting to make a difference, but I expect that uh, that difference to maybe even continue to get bigger as we go down the road. And welcome here to this post-signing day show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett here as uh, we are live from you here in Lincoln for the Husker Online Show. And signing day, early signing day, in the books. And Robin, it was kind of a, a different kind of year I, I think for COVID reasons, um, people's numbers are kind of out of whack. Coaching changes around college football, the transfer portal. I've been through a lot of signing days, but this one is one of the more unique years um, I can ever remember. Nebraska signing just 13 players, and you know they probably get a 14th on Friday from Decoldus Crawford as well. Um, but there'll be some more. They've got four transfer portal commits in there, so really. You're looking at 18 guys right now, and I still think there's probably room for at least three more. So you're, you know, I think the number is going to be 21, but just the balance of that number and how things are laid out, it's just a lot different than what we're used to. A lot more variables than there used to be, and you know, I think Scott kind of laid it out there pretty well. Where uh, the days of uh, the 25 man high school recruiting class with a JUCO or two sprinkled in there. Uh, those are those are done now. Uh, the, the evolution of the transfer portal uh, and the one-time transfer rule have changed everything about recruiting and roster management for college football programs. And so now you're going, you kind of started to see the first um, you know glimpse of of what the future of recruiting is going to hold, where classes the traditional classes are going to be smaller and you're going to leave room for the inevitable ebbs and flows of the transfer portal because you're going to anticipate losing guys and you're going to anticipate gaining guys out of the portal so it's it's a new era and i think it's going to be something that everybody's going to have to get used to but uh this was kind of the the first sign of what is probably going to be to come with with signing days and recruiting going forward yeah and and you look at just this year in general with that extra COVID year complicating things, then over 30 coaching changes. So that left a lot of recruits scrambling. That left a lot of players wondering um, to go in the portal or not. I mean, we saw Miles Brennan, you know, LSU's quarterback, go in the portal thinking he had no shot. And then Brian Kelly basically tells him, you know what, I think you can be my guy. And he's going to stay at LSU. So 
there's just never been a period like this. And then, by oh, by the way, you, you factor in NIL, which coaches technically can't talk about with the recruits. It's got to be totally done outside. You can't enter, enter technically NIL agreements until you sign a letter of intent. Um, but as we know, <laughs> it's a very gray area, Robin. You uh, sure? Yeah, you can hint on a lot of things. You can say, well, you're a wide receiver. Look what our current wide receiver is doing with you know th- that sort of thing. So you can lay out the potential the opportunities that could be there if you were to decide to sign with this program and go that same route. So, I mean, you can, you can uh, basically put it all out there without actually saying, come to our school and you will get X amount of money. And let me ask you this, though. When you envisioned NIL and, and, and what it was, I mean, did you envision it like – I mean, I, I think there's two ways to envision it. I think, oh, we're going to start podcasts with players and let guys do burrito commercials and Tanner's <laughs> commercials and have fun with it. And then there's been kind of what it's become. Yeah. I mean – organized booster groups that you know own businesses and and you know create opportunities create ways to to raise as much money to use in the recruiting process and you know it only took a few months but that that's really what nil has become i mean the the burrito commercials and the tanners commercials and um you know the podcasts that was all fun and games but the real money is kind of shifted towards you know these larger booster organizations that legitimize their donations through nil Right, and you basically have to ask the student athlete or recruit to do like the most minimal task, and you can give them however much you want. Like, there's no like disclosed uh, financial parameters on how much can be given or all that sort of stuff. So it's in that sense kind of the the wild west. And honestly, it it just seems like this is a bridge towards a maybe eventual outcome of. Uh, full-blown pay-for-play where you know your guys what already is here yeah i I know but but without the you know dog and pony show of having to uh you know do a team camp or something like that to make your money like you just get the money up front for signing with that school you don't have to guise it with you know all these little nil opportunities that uh players have to players and schools have to work around right now well the the thing with nil i think in recruiting there is no market value Mm -hmm. and you set the market value so i could i could say robin um I want your autograph on this football. I'm going to give you fifty thousand dollars for your autograph, and I, as the person, think that's the market value. So I I don't think there's really, and that's an extreme example. But I mean, there, you know, it's tough, and I I think there's a lot of coaches not comfortable with it, but it's here to stay. And I think when you start to go state by state, and the Supreme Court's already ruled in favor for it, um, it's it's not going anywhere. It's going to mm-hmm. be here, um, and you, you've got one or two ways to go. You could try to, you know, not embrace it, or you know, you try to utilize it. And I think Nebraska is still in the working stages of it. Um, I think what's different about what I've noticed from Nebraska and NIL is you know, they're not advertising. You know, at least people, and they're not advertising. You know, what's going on, but there are things going on. I mean, I know athletes that have come up here. They have free housing. They have free furnished, fully furnished places they're living at, and that's NIL. Mm-hmm. Cars. twelve, At least 12, 15 cars. Um, you know, I, I've heard a speculation or a number that probably five football players will make six figures. But you're not seeing, like, I, I think what throws people off is when you see, like, this Texas. Texas is the thing. The O-line deal. Where every or, O-line yeah, deal. I mean, that really, you know, is like we're getting our ass kicked in this right mm-hmm. now, and, and, and it's not going yeah, well Just because it's not public. And Nebraska's doing everything, like I said, behind the curtain a little bit, and – uh, you know, that 
leads people to believe that they're not being proactive. But, you know, as uh, we've seen and the stuff that we've heard, it's clearly they're still very much uh, keeping up with the Joneses as far as the NIL stuff goes. Well, like these car deals that you see out there, there hasn't been one public. Yeah, there's, um, there's not the dude standing next to his tricked out. Check out my new Chevy truck or whatever. Dodge Ram yeah. from Woodhouse or Koppel or, you know, wh- wherever you're getting this car from. I mean, there, you know, so it, it, it's been interesting because I, I think when you see these things like Texas, it really like, you know, it helps Texas, obviously, when you see that mm-hmm. and, and, and those numbers being thrown out there. Um, but Nebraska's not done. I can tell you that. I know Nebraska, like, they're – Whatever they're doing, I think it's it's all sports: men's basketball, volleyball. Mm-hmm. I think baseball is going to get involved in it down the road. Uh, but you know, volleyball here is really killing it, killing it in, mm-hmm. in IL. And it's not just Lexi Sun either. It's like all those girls are they're they're doing just fine. And that was you know you you looked at like after like the the traditional power men's sports. You know the the like who who else would benefit? And you look at a sport like volleyball, especially Nebraska volleyball. They had as much opportunity as any collegiate volleyball program in the country to maximize the celebrity that their players have at their school. And that's going to be such a huge recruiting boost that not like Nebraska needed it, but you add that on top of it. I mean, there's not going to be very many programs in the country that are going to remotely compete with what John Cook and that program can do. Well, Nebraska and Texas were the, were, are the two lead, were the two leaders in women's volleyball NIL and they played each other to go to the final four No coincidence. Um, and you know, Nebraska draws eight, 9,000 a match. Um, do you say match or game? By the way, is it proper to say the match because they play games within the match? Yes, uh, eight nine thousand per match, and you know they, they have obviously a winning program. It, it's the perfect storm. I mean, it makes you realize if Nebraska football ever got going, mm-hmm. you know, imagine yeah. what it could be. <laughs> These guys are making this off three and four win seasons. Imagine if they were winning, you know, conference titles. Well, and as I everything. mentioned, there's two kinds of NIL. There's there's burrito deals and mm-hmm. you know pizza deals and Grubhub tweet deals that 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 pay. You know, in the hundreds maybe of dollars, but then there's these legitimate you know, opportunities that that are paying you know big big money out there. Yeah, when you win, all of a sudden, all these uh, business owners and you know companies that uh, are maybe holding off on their donations are are jumping right in because of the, the the celebrity exposure that their company would get as a result of all that. All right, we got a full show on tap here. Robin and I are going to get into more uh, the the signing day class on offense and defense and. Uh, we'll also talk more with Robin with Nebraska basketball as it's been a very interesting mm-hmm. week. And Huskers are in finals week right now, but they'll play Kansas State on Sunday in Lincoln. That's all next on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. So I'd probably go back and say one thing is competitive, that those guys are, excuse my French, but they're pricks. I've never really seen a winner at a quarterback position be a nice guy. And that's really what it looks down to, back to the competitive nature that they instill. And that's what Kenny did at, at Pitt and bringing that out of them. And, and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska's new offensive line, or sorry, offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, um, talking just about 
what he wants to see in quarterbacks and the mentality his quarterbacks have had. This segment of the show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, uh, located here in Lincoln on 30th and Yankee Hill Road. It is Robin Washett's favorite time of year because there's NFL football not only on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays, but Saturday. Yes, and you add an extra week and then the uh, expanded playoff. Uh, you're getting more football, NFL football, than we've ever got, and I am here for every bit of it. So with that said, get into Tanner's this weekend. Doubleheader NFL on Saturday. Nebraska basketball Sunday against Kansas State at 5. That, that's on TV, right? Yes, yes. Um, and obviously Maybe NFL action Sunday. They'll have Monday night football. Uh, Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Big Ten Network. Proud segment sponsor here of the Husker Online Show. But, Robin, let's talk about these new coaches. We heard them all talk. Um, Mark Whipple, Mickey Joseph, Donovan Riola. And it was interesting. All three pretty different. Um, <laughs> very, very much so. Uh, Mark Whipple just kind of struck you as a very veteran guy that literally name-dropped a telephone book of coaches and mm -hmm. people he knew. Players, and quarterbacks. Players and you know, he, he just casually dropped, you know, one year I was the coach of the Pro Bowl and Coach Brady and Breeze and Manning. Pretty hard to mess that one up, you know, and um, dropped a Super Bowl story in there with Ben Roethlisberger. But um, to me, it was pretty clear why they brought this guy in when you look at Mark Whipple. I mean, this is somebody that knows more football than Scott Frost knows and has been yeah. around a lot more. And Scott Frost can step away and truly know that this guy – Mark Whipple can run the offense. Yeah, it's somebody that Frost fully trusts that he knows what he's doing uh, and Frost approves of what he wants to do. Uh, and so they're on the same page that way. And, you know, for, for Scott really to take his uh, hands off the reins of this offense, it, it needed to be someone that, you know, left no doubt as far as being able to do what Scott wanted that offensive coordinator to do. So, uh, you know, checks a lot of boxes. The experience, I mean, four decades worth of coaching experience at the NFL collegiate level, head coach, assistant coach, all that stuff. Uh, he's done it. So uh, he's been around literally the best quarterbacks ever to play the game, uh, and he made sure everybody knew that. Uh, he's, he's got relationships with coaches uh, from every coaching tree imaginable. Uh, and so uh, this guy has about as much of a – uh, understanding of the game and what successful offenses need uh, that, as anybody. And so uh, you really like that. And uh, I think that he kind of showed a little bit about just the, the confidence uh, that, that he has in himself. You know, he, he seems like a guy that isn't pigeonholed into running one certain style of offense. He's like, you know what, uh, you know, we'll run our offense based on what our quarterback can do. And I asked him about the option. He's like, oh, yeah, I know the option. I yeah. like the option. That's but what I'm saying. Like, in 40 years, you basically have seen everything. And, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, worked with Andy Reid, and you see all the different stuff that the Chiefs do. And uh, so, I mean, he's got no shortage of variety with what this offense can be. So to say this is a Mark Whipple offense, I don't know if you can pinpoint that because everywhere he's been has looked a little bit different depending on the personnel that he's had to work with. And I think what he did with Pickett this year might have been some of his best work to mm -hmm. take Pitt to – I mean, take a Pat Narduzzi. I mean, let's face it. Pat Narduzzi was not known for offense. No. He's a defensive coordinator. As somebody, I think, said on Twitter, he chewed up offensive coordinators. And Whipple put this magical year together where Pickett was a finalist for the Heisman. They won the ACC. Um, so, you know, there's a lot there um, I think that should have you excited. I mean, the big question still remains who will be his quarterback, and that's something we'll discuss down the road. Now, speaking of 
press conferences, Robin. Um, I think it's safe to say Donovan Rayola may not have won the press conference. Um, yeah. Um, and I don't think he cared one bit. No, I mean, he, <laughs> he said, I am not only going to not say anything, I don't really care. Um, and, you know, he, he was there because they made him be there is basically what it comes down to. And he's uh, we asked him, I think it was Evan Bland from the World Herald asked him straight up. I was like, do you do you like doing these media or like press conferences? No, he's like, no, straight faced. And it's like, why not? He's like, well, I'm an offensive lineman and we don't do we don't talk. We do our talking on the field. And so I think that is, if nothing else, a glimpse of what this unit's personality is going to become, because he's not going to. Uh, have any have it any other way this guy's about as down to business as any coach i've been around uh, at nebraska and i don't think he cares what other people think he's going to do things his way and i think that that intensity and that um insistence on the standard he kept using the term the standard and he wouldn't explain what that meant but he uh, put a lot of emphasis on that and i guarantee you everybody in that o-line room is going to have a very clear understanding of what the standard is and they're going to have to meet it or else they're not going to be here what i'm more interested in is how he'll recruit and you know if he turns on his personality a little bit more in the living room or the thing is he's recruiting o-linemen and, you know, they're a different breed. And so I think being able to connect, I mean, he, he played the position. You know, he played at Wisconsin. He coached in the NFL. He coached uh, at the highest level at Notre Dame. And so, I mean, like, he's he's been around recruiting before. And I think it's just going to be about the right kids. I mean, there's going to be certain kids that aren't drawn to that at all. But there's also going to be, uh, you know, hard-nosed, badass linemen that are going to love that. They're going to see this intensity of a guy that has a very clear picture of what the expectations are and what he's going to do to get you better. And I think Donovan Raiola checks those types of boxes. So, you know, like Nebraska's slogan, it's not for everyone, but for the guys that are drawn to that, it's going to be, uh, I think, a really successful pitch for that group. And then Mickey Joseph, I think the more we see and hear from him, I mean, he looks to be as impressive of any of the hires by Scott Frost. Um, and, and he strikes me as a guy that no matter who the coach is at Nebraska a year or two from now, he's going to probably be here. Yeah, um, it's my understanding, and the terms have been released, but he's going to be on a three-year contract. Mm. Which the fact that Trev kind of greenlit something like that, if that is the case, tells you that we want this guy at Nebraska, regardless. Um, you know, w- with what he can do as a recruiter, he's one of us, a former Husker player from New Orleans. Um, but you know, you're seeing just his impact already on the road. Um, you know, if they're able to close the coldest Forrester or Crawford, excuse me. Um, on Friday, which I think they will, that was a former LSU commit. And, you know, he's been able to really, you know, shake some trees, so to speak, in the recruiting trail already. Yeah, I mean, he basically is everything they needed in that position. They needed another recruiter, I mean, a dynamic recruiter. I mean, Travis Fisher was carrying a lot of weight as far as kind of being the front man on that. And so they needed someone else, and certainly Mickey Joseph will provide that, but also just his experience and, um, you know, track record of development I mean that also is a huge part to this and then I think most importantly the fact that he cares about this place he's not just some mercenary like we've seen in the past you know like the the, the Corey Raymond type guys or uh Terry Joseph you know those types of guys like, I think he is a guy that truly wants to move his family here cares and... about Nebraska and he's not just here because of the the job and a, a step forward in his career uh so that that I think is the separator and other dynamic recruiters Nebraska's had on the staff and, and Mickey Joseph. Now, we still don't know what they're going to do with special teams and, and running back for that matter um, and how that's going to be handled. 
Um, I think that's a big decision. I, I have to believe, though, Robin, that Bill Bush is going to be on the staff. I mean, that it just feels that's where it's heading. I know Ron Brown, I think, would like to be the running backs coach and then kind of keep things as is. But um, the way Bill Bush went out and got them the kicker and the punter and some of the things that he's done on the trail, it just leads me to believe hopefully that would get Scott Frost's attention. Like, we need another guy like this on our staff that can recruit like Bill Bush. Yeah, I mean, it makes too much sense not to have him on there. I mean, it's uh, a guy that literally is everything that you want. Uh, for one, he's a accomplished, proven special teams coordinator, and that's a unit that desperately needs to be addressed. And you've seen with some of these scholarship offers they've finally thrown out towards specialists. To continue that as a priority and get a full-time special teams coordinator, uh, I think it's a necessity at this point. And the fact that you have a guy on staff, again, one that has Nebraska connections, that understands this place and how to recruit to this place. Uh, I mean, Bill Bush is everything that Nebraska needs and wants with that role. And he's already on staff. Why did, you know, I'm surprised it's not done yet, to be quite honest. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue our signing day discussion. Let's get into more of these guys in the class, Robin. The, the, the players Nebraska has signed, some of the transfer portal additions. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It, it used to be pretty simple. You had 85 scholarships and this many kids are graduating and this many kids are coming in. And I think the days of signing 25 on signing day and going to the next signing day and so signing 25 are probably over. There's uh, extra years with COVID now and transfer portal possibilities and other things and it's kind of a, a moving target all the time. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett as uh, talking signing day. Before we get to that, uh, the segment is brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus Classic in Dublin, Ireland, where Nebraska will travel to take on Northwestern. A reminder, give the gift of Ireland. Uh, visit huskers2ireland.com. I'm still looking to find that perfect gift Give the gift to Ireland. And, Robin, I was just out in Ireland. We're going to have more um, on Husker Online on the show here after we get through signing day. Uh, but let me tell you, it was an unbelievable experience to go to Dublin this past week. Um, got away for just three days out there um, and got right got right back to work in O'Hare Airport. The minute we landed, uh, Tinny Bleakrod committed, and <laughs> I was interviewing him in the uh, United Lounge right away. So um, I snuck away when I could, but... Um, let me tell you, that was an unbelievable experience. I got to see Aviva Stadium for a Champions League rugby match. And by the way, they have a wide international beer selection available. Yeah, I saw Stadium. you tweeted that. There was some interesting choices. Not not your your standard uh, Big Ten road game affair. Hot whiskey. <laughs> Hot whiskey. What'd you, what did you get? Anything? Now, I got a Smithwick's okay. and a Guinness. Well, of course. This couple next to it was really funny. This couple next to us, they were Casey Fritten, the photographer, traveled with me um, out there, and um, he was talking to them, and they had like six pints during. I mean, each of them, and, and they were just like yeah. totally. And those aren't just like Bush Lights. No, you know? those are like probably six or seven percent, like big dog Irish beers. And we sat next to, um, you know, one of the girlfriends and her sister, um, and he, her um, her boyfriend played for. Uh, the Linzer Rugby Club, which is a professional team for the Dublin area. And it was, it was just interesting to hear about their sport. Uh, but they were as interested to hear about Nebraska football and coming out there. So, reminder, give the gift of Ireland. Visit the website at huskers2ireland.com. But, Robin, let's talk about this 2022 signing class and, and kind of where things are at. And yeah, I think when I look at it right now, what really jumped out to me was how quickly – 
they added some defensive backs. Mm -hmm. um, Nebraska has four defensive backs now in this class. So four of the 13 signees as of now are in the, in the secondary. Yeah, and probably their most marquee uh, recruit in, in Jaden Gold. He was committed to USC before all this. Yeah, so, I mean, I think they did a really good job. And, uh, you know, we talk about some of the coaching interviews. You know, Eric Chenanders, the one familiar face that, that spoke uh, after Scott Frost, uh, and he had a lot of good things to say about Malcolm Hartsock too. So uh, I think that they really like the additions they were able to bring in with the secondary, which, as we know, was a a, a group of need, uh, giving what what they lost with three starters moving on. Um, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity in that defensive backfield, and so they they bring in some young guys that uh, have a variety of skill sets that I think they all think can can at least, if nothing else, provide uh, some, some some bodies on special teams and maybe even work their way into the rotation in, in a year or two. Yeah, looking at just the scholarship numbers right now, I mean, there's you know, Nebraska sitting. Technically at 82, that's before their four transfers. So really they're at 86 today. And that's before like knowing if Daniel Cherney is going to be back. I, I think Daniel Cherney might be heading to a medical scholarship is my prediction at least right now as his knee does not appear to be getting healthier. Um, so their numbers are tight. I mean, you know, w with Cherney taking off there, they're at 85. Um, I, I still think DeAndre Thomas, you know, that's one we don't know. I don't think Chris Walker's going to be back either. Um, so that's, that takes them down to 83-ish. Um, so they're right there with the numbers, but I think you're going to see Nebraska probably add at least three, four more guys, and then a lot's going to depend on the attrition on the rest of the roster. Right. So right now, if things play out the way that you just kind of laid out there, obviously quarterback is still – Frost basically said they're going to take a quarterback. Yeah, they only have three scholarship quarterbacks. Right. And you'd yes. like to have four. Yeah. So, and they're, and they're all young, too. So, uh, getting a, a veteran transfer seems like a, an obvious no brainer that's inevitable. But after that, you know, given the fact that they brought in four defensive backs, do you still see maybe safety as a top priority? Or where, where would you say that the next uh, O line addition is going to be? O line? O line all the way. Um, I mean, I just look at what they have returning. So many questions. I mean, is Brant Banks going to pan out? Mm -hmm. What about Ben Hart? Can they get Corcoran back on track with an offseason? What about Piper? I think Teddy Prohaska is a sure thing. I think Nuri Noelli is a sure thing. I really am intrigued about Henry Lutoski. Uh, but then there's guys like Alex Kahn and Michael Lynn. It's just hard to see them in the mix. Uh, Justin Jenkins, the guy they signed uh, from New Jersey, looks more like a center and has a really strong edge. Uh, but they need like two portal bodies in that line. They, they really do. The center would be a – Interior, no, yeah. So I mean, they need not a necessarily a true center. You're thinking guard or something. Yeah, they they need bodies on that 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 line. And I mean, I think on the defensive line, um, because you almost kind of have to assume DeAndre Thomas may not be back, um, even though we don't know, no. Uh, but that that's a big one. Um, and you know, just to give you 20, 30 quality snaps a game. Yeah, and they only signed one D lineman in Brogdy uh, Tagaloa. Tagaloa. So uh, that's. That those make a lot of sense. So the trenches need to be addressed. Maybe an addition, maybe a veteran guy uh, at safety. But um, you know, I guess it all depends on the numbers. But so it's interesting. You know, with the Cam Jurgens news, obviously that wasn't totally unexpected. Uh, but that creates a pretty massive, massive hole. Scott Frost mentioned that they have several guys that have worked at center, but really no one has played the position in games, uh, maybe outside of uh, some emergency situations um, here and there over the last three years. So, uh, I mean, I think that they would probably be behooved to go and try and get someone that's had 
high level game experience at center just because we've seen if you just throw a guy in there that's not ready, it can throw off your entire offense with the, you know the way Cam struggled with his snaps early on. Yeah, and that that was a big part of it. I mean, why was he struggling? I mean, was that coaching? Was that him? That never should have been a problem. I mean, no, it never should have been a problem. And I think they kind of so yeah. That, that's a big thing that can never happen again. I mean, you can argue that the snap issues of 2019 kind of set back the program at that point. It really did, and because it it, it threw I mean, off their entire offense. They, they were they couldn't do what they wanted to do offensively because the snap. Adrian was focused so much on just catching the snap that you know the quick read stuff was gone, and so he was late on all the timing of the routes, and uh, the the passing game was just completely thrown off as a result. And then not to mention just the the ones that sailed over his head for big losses. Yeah, it will be interesting just to see kind of where uh, that all goes. Um, you know, with the snapping issues and and, and whatnot, and um, who the center is. I mean, could Nuri Newelli play center? Um, could they move, you know, P- Piper to center? Um, or is the center on this team not here? Um, you know, I, I think that's what we don't know. And looking at guys on the class, I'll close on this. To me, my sleeper of the class, the guy that will end up being a good player here that you maybe wouldn't expect, I really like Gage Stanger, Rob, mm-hmm. and I really think the Millard South guy um, that plays quarterback is is going to be um, you know a good player at Nebraska. Where does he end up? He's listed as an athlete, and then you know Scott kind of mentioned that they weren't quite sure exactly where his long term spot was. What what do you, what do you envision him right now? Um, I mean, I think they they've talked about the JoJo position, but mm-hmm. he wants to look at quarterback. I mean that that's going to be the most interesting thing. Will he get a look at quarterback? Yeah. Well, gosh, I mean with. Uh, Sophomore redshirt freshman and a true freshman, and then an eventual transfer. I don't know how much opportunity there would be. That that would seem like an uphill battle, especially for a guy that, you know, if you're gonna want to have any chance of playing right away, you might as well pick a spot where maybe there's a greater window for for immediate playing time. All right. Well, when we come back, um, got a special guest joining me here, Robin uh, Travis Vokalek is going to come in here, and he's gonna he's coming back for a sixth year. This will be the first interview Travis Vokalek has given since the end of 2021 football season. And he's going to discuss more with me why he wanted to come back to Nebraska for a sixth season. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as we're joined now in studio by Nebraska tight end Travis Vokalek, this segment, this interview Brought to you by Sand Hills Global. If you've got equipment to sell, sell it at auctiontime.com and powered by ABM. And wanted to bring Travis in here. This is the first interview, Travis, you've given um, since the end of the 2021 football season. And a lot of guys on your team had decisions to make about their future. Um, you chose not to walk at senior day. I think a lot of people had a pretty good idea where things were heading, but you wanted to kind of set the record straight about your future and kind of what the next move is for you for the 2022 football season. Take it away. Yeah, so uh, after going through a lot of options with my family and friends and um, talking with coaches, um, Coach Frost, Coach Beck, uh, I've decided to come back for another year. Um, I'm excited for the opportunity um, that's ahead of us. Um, and, you know, the, the, we're going to have a great off season. Um We're going to work hard, you know, Got some new coaches coming in, uh, going to learn the new system. Um, going to help out some other guys um, as I'm dealing with an injury. I'll be out for a little bit um, with spring ball and, uh, you know, 
be uh, more of a more of a coach um, during spring ball, um, kind of how I was at the at the beginning of the season um, when I had the ankle injury. Um, so kind of going back to that um, role in the spring, and then uh, be good for summer. Going to work and uh, go through workouts, um, and then uh, fall will be here before we know it, and we'll go through camp and. Then we're headed off to Ireland. Uh, so I'm excited to be back, I'm ready to go. Um, excited to be back with my teammates and, and these coaches. Yeah, Travis, that early injury, when, when you look at kind of your path of the year, how much of an empty feeling did that leave you? It, it probably felt like you were always behind the whole year at that mm-hmm. point. Like you had to get caught up and you didn't have film that you needed to make the yeah. next move. I mean, that injury had to just be, you know, really big in this decision that you didn't really have the body of work maybe needed to, to make the jump. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely played a huge role. Um, you know, you got to control what you can, can uh, control. And, um, you know, obviously the ankle injury um, played, played a huge role in this decision. And not having uh, a full, what, uh, 11 or 12 games um, that we had um, kind of hurt me a little bit. Um, you know, but going back to the injury, I, I wouldn't want it anyway else. Um, you know, I, I, I took on the role of, you know, being the, being the coach, um, you know, trying to help guys out, you know, watching the film. Um, you know, really, really helping to try and try and help guys succeed. Um, so, but yeah, it, it definitely did play a big role. On the flip side, though, I, I think one of the exciting things about this year is the emergence of the tight end and what Austin mm-hmm. Allen did. I believe he was the first All Big Ten tight end at Nebraska mm-hmm. since like oh three oh four. I mean, you're talking close to twenty years. Yeah. Um, had a record breaking season, um, and now you got a new coordinator coming in. But you're the tight end. You're yeah. the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much of an opportunity do you have to kind of be now the leader of, of this tight end room? Yeah, for sure. You know, Oz had a great season. I'm so happy for him. Um, you know, he, he's going to be a great, great player in the league um, um, in, in the future. And you know, uh, it, it's awesome. I, I'm, I'm ready to be the guy. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for uh, plays to be made. Um, and then, obviously, for for the leadership of the team to to uh, be taken care of as well. Um, so I, I need to emerge as a, as a leader. Um, and, uh, you know, that's on the field and then in the weight room as well, um, and then in the film room. Um, just helping out to try and continue to to do uh, to, to develop the other guys in the tight end room and then um, on the offense as well. We're joined here in studio by Nebraska tight end Travis Volkluck. He's the first, quote, super senior that's really gone public that he is going to be back. Uh, for another year at Nebraska, probably had a pretty good chance to, to get drafted if he came out. How much, you know, your dad's a football guy. He's been around the block. So you've got a lot of good resources around you. You're not eligible to get a grade back uh, from the mm-hmm. advisory uh, board because of your super senior status. How many people did you kind of even try to get feedback from over the process? Yeah, um, you know, I was constantly talking with my dad. Um, you know, he he knows a bunch of guys, you know, being a coach. Um, he, he's he has scouts go through at UNI um, for their practices. He kind of talked with them a little bit. And then, um, you know, Coach Beck uh, had, did a great job with giving me feedback um, with all the guys that he knows and then Coach Frost as well. And then, um, you know, just talking with talking with my mom and, you know, my dad again, um, just, just to try and weigh out the options and see, see the pros and cons of each. And, you know, I'm excited to be back for another year. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of changes on the offensive staff, mm-hmm. um, new quarterback, um, obviously uh, four new coaches, but the one constant is Sean Becton, your mm-hmm. position coach. What has he meant to you, Travis, when you talk about your journey here the last few years and, and coming back for the sixth season? Yeah, he's meant everything to me. Um, you know, he's he's a great coach. He's, he's very personable. Um, you know, I have a great relationship with him. Um, he has relationships with all of his players, and, you know, he, you can tell he truly cares about his players. Um, so, you know, he, he played a big, big role in uh, – 
you know, deciding on coming back, you know, and, and I'm excited that he's going to be my coach for one more year. And then talk about some of the changes that have been made. I'm sure you've had a chance now. Um, the coaches have been back off the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to maybe meet Mark Whipple, Donovan Riola, Mickey Joseph, you know, some of the changes on staff and your early impressions, particularly of, of getting the chance to maybe talk to Mark Whipple and, and learn more about what he wants to do. Yeah, you know, it's it's been awesome. I've talked with those guys a little bit. Um, you know, not a lot um, because they – they just got in, um, but you know, in the short conversations I've had with them, you know, I've really enjoyed talking with them and uh, you know, talking football and the and about the opportunities that are about to come next year. And you look at this team, um, you guys, you know, it was a historic season in the wrong sense. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. had the most one-score losses, eight of them in NCAA history, the most one uh, single-digit losses, nine um, in NCAA history. Um, how do you get this team over the next over that hump? that just seemed like it was, you know, things were just one step or one play mm-hmm. short, uh, seemingly most of these losses on Saturdays. Yeah, you know, I think we need to, uh, you know, talk about the details. Um, every every single little detail, you know, matters. Um, and that's something that we're really going to try and emphasize in the offseason and through spring ball, um, you know, and just per- perfecting our craft, um, you know, doing everything right um, over and over and, and, you know, with reps. Um, and then, uh you know, we'll see how it goes, and uh, we're excited for, for the opportunity to not do that again next year. So, And, and this tight end room, <laughs> yeah. too, you look at the guys in that tight end room, mm-hmm. um, a lot of young guys led by Thomas Fedoni. You've got Chancellor Brewington who played yep. a role, um, James Carney. Um, you know, you've got an A.J. Rollins, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, a Bortricker. Um, mm-hmm. I, I butchered his last name yeah. there. Orchardture, yeah. Um, yeah you're good. But, you know, you, you've got a lot of guys to kind of develop and groom. I mean, what do you yeah. see from that group? Oh, I think the future is very bright in the tight end room. Um, you know, we got we got to continue to work on developing them, um, you know, both, uh, you know, with plays and, um, you know, reading coverages and stuff and then technique um, and then just getting faster and stronger in the weight room. Um, so that's something I've really, really kind of want to pick up, um, you know, in this last year um, is, is to really help these guys develop in the weight room to get stronger and faster and uh, then, then help them in the film room as well. And as we wrap up our conversation with Travis Vocal, like I think the real reason you came back was maybe to go to Ireland. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can get out there and play some golf while we're out there playing football too. I was just out there uh, this last week, mm-hmm. uh, Port Marnock Golf Course in Dublin. Yep. You got to get on there. Oh, yeah, for sure. True link style golf, though. It's a different yeah. kind of golf. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I've always wanted to play out there, so – Hopefully, when we're out there, we can find some time to, to maybe sneak out on the course. Yeah, and this you start to think about that, though, the the challenges of playing a game overseas. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting yeah. uh, offseason knowing that trip's looming um, for week zero. Yeah, you know, I've, I've never been outside the country. Um, so, you know, when I found out, you know, I was going to come back um, and, and that we're going to go to Ireland, I'm super excited about it. And it'll be a great experience for, for all the guys on the team and uh, a great chance for us to go out there and, uh, and play against Northwestern. Well, Travis, we appreciate you coming up, taking some time um, to kind of share your thoughts and your decision to come back for a sixth season. I know you'll be a key part of this offense. Um, where you're, you're going to be that featured tight end in 2020, uh, 2022. Yep, appreciate it. All right, well, this interview once again brought to you by Sand Hills Global. If you have equipment to sell, sell it at auctiontime.com and powered by ABM. Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Back here on the Husker Online Show, final segment. Thanks again to Travis Volkolek for joining me here in studio as he discussed his decision to come back for a six-year of eligibility. And, I mean, not, not surprising, Robin, but 
Um, Still a, a big deal. A really big deal. And, you know, he had he had surgery on his shoulder, um, so he is going to miss the spring, as you heard him on that interview discuss. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that also factored in. He's like, look, how can I even go through the draft process with another injury on top of the ankle injury he had this season? Yeah, and, and I think it, it made a lot of sense just for him because, really, he's never gotten that chance to be the featured guy. He's just kind of been – more the blocking tight end who's who's gotten you know a few plays here and there but with Austin Allen now gone I mean he's he's the dude now you, you do have Fedoni coming back off injury so I'm sure he will be part of that uh that 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 rotation but uh Vokalek is the the senior leader in that group and uh I'm excited to see him kind of take over that role all right Robin well let's talk Nebraska basketball as um lots of things to talk about <laughs> as, yeah, as a few things here and there. a few, I mean there's no game this week um but you know, the, the big news continues to be uh, Matt Adomase taking a medical leave from the program and then questions galore about what's going on with this program and what's going on. Um, are, is there something more to the story about Coach Adomase and what's going on with the basketball program? Yeah, so I guess to start, um, you know, it was, what, two Mondays ago uh, that um, you know, Matt Adomase announced that he was taking the uh, – indefinite medical leave of absence uh with a health condition um you know he, he provided us a statement uh that you know, basically said that you know for he needed to focus on himself and his family uh so you know all that stuff is like wow kind of came out of nowhere especially given the fact that uh you know two days earlier he was out in uh, bloomington uh, at the indiana game traveling with the team and by all accounts, didn't show any signs of, of being sick or whatever. So um, it, it really kind of came out of left field. And so when something like that happens, people are going to start asking questions like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, where did this come from? And of course, once people started asking questions, you know, rumors started getting uh, going a little bit. And then so uh, fast forward to this past week, uh, around Tuesday night is when things really started to explode. I don't know exactly what set it off, but... Suddenly, you know, my phone starts buzzing. I'm getting text messages, calls. The I'm old at, Husker echo echo chamber. Yes, it was circulating very kind of like the storm that hit earlier this week, where it hit and it hit fast. And so by Wednesday morning, it was full blown conspiracy theory central around here, where uh, you know some really serious accusations were being floated out there about. You know, like massive amounts of money being exchanged, and uh, you know, guys you know paying for players whatever it is it even got to the point where they were accusing him of point shaving like because there was some like gambling ring going on like just the wildest stuff you could imagine and so uh people <laughs> wonder why hell? why trev alberts put a statement based on rumors it's because he had to they had no choice they had to at least say something because if they continue to be silent and wait until uh fred's media availability on friday to uh address any questions about it that thing would have taken on an even bigger By the way, where, life of its own. Where can you buy a USA Today in Lincoln? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's my yeah so that was the other rumor. There's going to be this big hit piece by USA Today that's going to drop on Friday. And so we're taping this on Thursday. Who knows if something comes out? I guess we'll see. Uh, expect the unexpected with Nebraska um, basketball. But uh, as far as you know, what's been said, you know, like Trev's in a statement said, uh, you know, Fred Hoiberg told him there's no investigation. The NCAA told him there's no investigation, uh, active or pending. So, you know, that's kind of where it stands right now. And I guess it's kind of, we'll see what happens next. But for the time being, going into this weekend, uh, Nebraska is saying that all of the rumors are false. And to me, this is what's different about Trev Albert, say, compared to Bill Moose and, and Sean Eichhorst before him. 
you know, Trev Alberts has lived in Nebraska for a long time now, close to 15 years. And, you know, I think more people come right to him. And I mean, he gets, you know, where I, no one knew how to get to I-Course and talk to him on the side or, you know, Moose. Um, and I, I think this stuff got to Trev pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And and he, he reads all that stuff is my, in my feel. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's a credit to him that he's at least aware, like he's not off in his own little world. You know, sometimes that's kind of how Bill Moose seemed where like stuff like this, he wouldn't even know about. Well, you know, Fred has his pole, his finger on the pulse of pretty much everything. And uh, he heard about it and he obviously reached out to Fred to get, you know, figure out what's going on. He reached out to the NCAA to figure out what was going on. And, you know, I guess according to his statement, found that there was there was nothing there as of yet. So, uh, you know, it's like, like I said, it was something that it's it's strange. And it was a weirdly worded statement. You know, the fact that like I asked Fred, I asked the NCAA and they said it was fine. You know, it's like <laughs> you got a left open a little uh, wiggle room there. But you know, at least he said something to, if nothing else, pour some water on the like wildfire that was spreading over the last 24 hours before that. Now I want to get to Kansas state, Nebraska in a second, but Robin, um, we are seeing a lot of COVID-19 cancellations and let's get a refresher on the rules. If Nebraska is playing an opponent in the big 10, I don't care about the regular season, but the big 10 stuff Mm -hmm. and they have to cancel for COVID and correct me if I'm wrong. That's a forfeit. Yep. That's a loss. So you're saying Nebraska? Hey, you never know, man. They could get, they could steal a couple. But uh, well, I wonder if that will be revisit. I mean, because right now you're. I mean, this week alone, uh, as we speak, uh, news is breaking that Kentucky, Ohio State has been canceled, and so marquee games. Duke just had a game canceled. You know, and uh, Iona and uh, I can't remember who they were going to play. Anyway, uh, they they had a game canceled. So like it's kind of starting to hit the fan a little bit here. I mean, it's funny. It's, I mean, not funny, but it's way worse now than it's ever been. I know. And the NFL is dealing with the same thing. You know, they're, they're got like 70, 80 dudes on the COVID list right now, just this week. So, uh, you wonder like what the plan is. Do you just continue going forward and adjust the protocols to where, uh, you know, maybe you provide the opportunity to reschedule games or you're a little bit more lax and, how quickly a person is allowed back to competition, uh, like that, what test positive. I mean, I, I don't know what they do because you're going to lose a chunk of your season again after you know going through what you did last year. And we saw the toll that had with just the, the impact on eligibility. Then obviously the, the economic impact, uh, is that something that the NCAA and major leagues or professional sports are going to want to revisit once again, as, as things continue to escalate at a uh, rapid rate. Well, here's the other thing, Robin money. Um, it's exactly. in, it's inventory. It's Big Ten Network inventory. It's ESPN inventory. It's Fox inventory, and those networks are gonna want those games. And you know, a year ago, Nebraska they were playing three, four games a week sometimes, right? Yeah, basically they had, I think they had thirteen games with one day preps. So that means game day, a day off, game day off, game day off. Thirteen games of that. They played one where they stayed. They did a double header against Maryland, where literally they they did their training like pregame, uh, like physical therapy stuff like that in like a hotel conference room. Like you, they saw pictures. They of played it. Maryland twice. Yes, out in Maryland. So they played back to back in Maryland. I forgot they almost won one of those, right? Yeah, the first game. I think the second game. Obviously, they just got worn down. But you know, it that was a disaster in every sense. And are they going to? 
do that course again? I, I, there's, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered from, from leadership at, from sports at all levels. I know the Toronto Raptors, you just, not just from the, the competitive aspect, they cut their capacity down 50%. Uh, for for all their home games, Canada. I mean, Canada. Ran, I mean, it's got more of a European. Yep. So they're going to be like the most proactive on that sort of stuff. But I mean, you're already starting to seeing attendance being impacted by this, and so not just cancellations. So there's uh, you know a lot of stuff on the horizon. I just hope that we can get through this season as with as little disruption as possible. But with the way things have gone, and we're not even at Christmas break yet, uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm prepared for everything. Well, two games here before the holiday break. Kansas State Sunday, 5 o'clock game on Big Ten Network in Pentagon Bank Arena. Then Kennesaw State is kind of your pre-Christmas game, December 22nd, Wednesday, 6.30 on ESPNU. And then Nebraska's off until January 2nd. Mm-hmm. Um, we do hope, by the way, to tape one more episode of Off Court with the McGowns between now and the break. Um, so we'll ha- we'll get that done here in December. But um, – yeah, I think you just got to get to January 2nd if you're Nebraska and get through these two games. Briefly, as we wrap it up, Robin, any thoughts on this matchup with Kansas State? Yeah, I mean, just, I, I say this with strictly uh, on-paper analysis here. As far as matchups go, this is probably the best or most favorable one out these of these, these five-game stretch against high-major competition uh, where you know Kansas State's not the biggest team. They're not the most dynamic scoring team. Uh, so there's not those like glaring mismatches that you saw over the last four. Um, but you also got to consider just where Nebraska is as a team right now. Um, they looked absolutely terrible last week in those two 30-plus point blowouts. And so it's not just a matter of like what Kansas State does. It's it's where Nebraska is physically and between the ears. Uh, they had a lot of work to do this week, both just trying to fix stuff on the court, but also fix stuff with their confidence and how much progress they were able to make during this invaluable week off uh, will say a lot about what you can expect from the rest of the season. If they can go beat Kansas State at home and get at least one win out of that five-game stretch, then go beat Kennesaw State and go into the break above 500, that at least gives you uh, an opportunity to take a breath. But if you lose Kansas State and your one win uh, in December is against Kennesaw State right before Christmas, you know that's that's uh, not in a good spot to enter league play. All right, well, Nebraska basketball, Sunday, 5, five o'clock at Pinnacle Bank Arena as they'll take on – their neighbors of the South, uh, Kansas State, will make the two-hour bus trip up here for the game on Sunday. Make sure you follow Robin's work and log on to Husker Online. Check us out on our YouTube channel and download all of our podcasts on anywhere you can find podcasts. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 